You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Dean Buzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Mob City After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Mob City After Show. Hey, all you out there, Mob City fans, this is the AfterBuzz After TV show, Mob City. Episode number one, A Guy Walks Into a Bar, and episode two, Reason to Kill a Man. I'm your host, Ryan Hooks. Sitting in with me, we have our lovely co-host, Anik Dufour. Hello. And our very special guest, Mr. Ryan Dorsey. Hello. So, let's jump right into this. I'm sorry if I'm loud. I talk. I'm really excited about Mob City. Are you guys? just a little bit. I'm sorry. Mob City, great, amazing, wonderful. Okay. Now so I just can't hear anything. Let's get so right into ahead. this. So this show, by writer-director Frank Derenbaum, famously known for The Walking Dead, Green Mile, and of course, my favorite, Shawshank Redemption, yes. uh, came up with this idea for a miniseries. Yes. Six episodes. What do you think of the concept of a short miniseries now in this day and age of TV? I think they should have had <laughs> like six episodes like among six weeks. Over six weeks long? Yeah, this Ryan? is just a little much for me. You know, I I can agree with her, but I also think you know, in this age of uh, binge watching television, mm-hmm. I think it gives people a little a little more because you know, usually it's like, oh man, I wanted another hour, and Frank's giving you two hours, giving you two yeah. hours right now. I actually really like the idea of a six part miniseries. You think back to the success of like Band of Brothers in the Pacific, something where you don't have to keep coming up with all these storylines to drag out a story that maybe ends up going nowhere. So in this day and age with so many TV shows, I like this idea because I think it's going to keep viewers interested just long enough to make a point, maybe get picked up, do a series. But I think so far it's a good idea. So uh, a couple things I wanted to talk about right here off the beginning is the the concept of this show is based off of a book called The L.A. Noir: The Struggles of the Soul of America, uh, the Most Seductive City, based in 1947. And uh, one thing that Darren Baum said, is quoted as saying, is noir has always been a special love of his. And both literature and film. So this show is sort of his love letter to the genre, uh, where the playground of strong personalities, uh, where there is a stake of life and death all the time, and they blended with the pulp and heat of fiction. So mm-hmm. that being said, the first couple episodes of this show, do you think that Darren Baum captured what he was going for in this noir love letter? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. um, Here, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> I think so. I mean, uh, Frank uh, knows what he's doing. He's he's a creative genius. So I think uh, – but the, the whole thing about the miniseries, from what I understand, is if it does well, which I'm imagining it's going to and is doing well. We hope well, so. Yeah. Uh, next season will be like 12, 13 episodes. That, that, that's not 100%, but that's just what I heard one, from, right? from, from, from eavesdropping on people talking. Yeah, I actually heard that, too. I've heard those rumors as well floating yeah. around. I mean, let's be hopeful that this series does get picked up. Uh, it's a great show so far. Uh, I personally think the first couple episodes lacked a little bit in the plot department. Um, yeah. I think that he was trying so hard to create this noir faction. There's so much with the lights and the suits and the gray hats versus the white and black hats and the ties and the shoes that a lot of 
what he was going for in the storyline gets gets lost. That we get so caught up in watching that we miss some of the acting here. Um, so with that being said, let's actually segue right into our characters. Uh, so we have a large amount of characters in the show that we meet right away. Uh, would you like to go ahead and introduce us to our first three characters that we meet at the beginning of the show? Including um, yourself. Yeah, well, I'll just say that I know that um, they had shot the, the first episode already, and then I believe someone came up with the idea of doing this uh, flashback to t- kind of tell the story and go back to the history of these characters. And uh, that's where I got lucky enough to uh, work with everyone involved and uh, play the young Sid Rothman, uh, the young Robert Nepper, who is I haven't seen tonight's episode yet, but he's he killed it in the first first two. Um, so yeah, I, I uh, that's that's my um, what was the question? No, 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 talking about characters. So Sid Rothman, uh, we meet in the very first yes. scene, as well as Meyer Mickey Cohen and Benny Bugsy Siegel. Uh, as introduction to them as characters who then are, are driving mafia-esque characters throughout the show. Uh, obviously, Mickey Cohen is famous for his L.A. Mafia connections and Bugsy Siegel for his creation of Las Vegas, as they say in the mm-hmm. first. And then Sid Rothman becomes the right-hand man, if you will, the enforcer of the mafia law. The sociopath. The sociopath, mm-hmm. as, as they said at the you, beginning. You like to play sociopaths. Yeah, I like to play whatever uh, someone <laughs> whatever says they get. believe in as, and, uh, you know. <laughs> so did you know when you came into this much about, you know, in the L.A. Mafia or these actual historical figures or even Sid Rothman as a character? Um, well, I knew he was created um, for the show, okay. and, uh, you know, I did my research and read a little bit of the book uh, L.A. Noir which they had hoped to title the show originally, but there's apparently a big video game that uh, had something to say about right. that, and then they went to Lost Angels, and then from Lost Angels, now it's obviously known as Mob City. Yep. But, uh, yeah, you know, I did my research, and it was pretty incredible to uh, to learn how vicious and ruthless some of these people were in the early days of Los Angeles. Yeah, and we even see that there in our very first scene after they go in and learning to play the violin, I hear, was a struggle. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't. Uh, I had five lessons with an, uh, an uh, Emmy winning, not Emmy, Grammy winning uh, violin coach, and uh, I could have had fifteen, and I don't think it would have. <laughs> I would have had enough. <laughs> Definitely the hardest thing I've done um, in a performance, probably a period, because it was so much at stake in my mind. Uh, For sure, I was just trying not to get fired. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so so that was the you know even when I got to shooting, I had like two weeks to learn and I was supposed to go to Vegas with some friends and I was like you know what I can't go to Vegas because uh, you gotta if, learn yeah if I don't I violin. can't play the Vegas violin it's, that's just not a thing the, the Vegas violin so anyways <laughs> I, I learned what I could in five lessons and practicing on my own and uh, you know I guess I got it down well enough for them to hold the camera on me for three seconds so <laughs> I actually really like that intro is them you know hey we gotta get out to the theater because we gotta make some money and then you see them taking out a couple of trucks, obviously a prohibition period. They're probably going for the liquor. And he said, hey, you can have a drink on us. And then we see the the truck get blown up by the dynamite. Uh, I was actually a really big fan of that opening scene where they're sitting in the truck and the truck's flooded. Yeah. And he's like, hey, uh, are you going to go anytime? You know, <laughs> yeah, dynamite yeah. in there. Yeah, that was uh, – I just thought it was a hell of a way to open up a show. Um, and uh, it makes sense that they had already shot the – you know whatever that was before, and then they added the 10 pages, 10 yeah. minutes, whatever it was. I think it ended up being like six, seven minutes. Um, but on paper, it was like 10 pages of all the 
description and whatnot. But yeah, it was, uh, I loved it, man. I was like a kid in a candy store working with those guys and working mm-hmm. with Frank. I mean, Charles Shanks, one of my favorite movies, The Green Mile as well. So, and even Walking Dead, I'm, I'm, I've seen every episode. I'm still a fan, even though Frank's not on it. But, uh, yeah, it was a dream for, for me, for no. little, little old me. I've heard rumors that Frank is literally crazy. Can you uh, shed any light on that? Well, you know, I only got a, a limited amount of time to work with him the couple of days that I was there. Um, but he just <laughs> seems like he's having so much fun and, and uh, you know, maybe crazy as in a crazy creative genius. Uh, I, I'm I could agree. inclined to agree with that. Crazy yeah. creative genius mm-hmm. is a great way to spin that question. But he's definitely, like, happy. He's such a joy. You can tell he loves what he does and he's so excited and uh, – He's chain smoking on set, which yeah. he's, he's he's given up uh, apparently. Good for him. Um, period. Yeah, I, yeah. Know, I know. But yeah, he's he wasn't like anything crazy, you know, just crazy good. Where did you guys film it? Like what back lot? Because like we were looking at this episode tonight and we're like, please don't ruin it. Please don't ruin it. Like yeah. when they panned out, they panned over. up over the, the the back lot and the, all the different houses and stuff. And yeah, uh, that was up in Santa Clarita at the Disney Ranch. Okay. So, yeah, not too far from here. Not too far right up the road. All right. Well, Disney it is. Cool. So uh, getting back to some of the other characters here. So we, we've met Bugsy Siegel, Meyer Cohen, and Sid Rothman, our mob mafia villains, if you will. Uh, then on the other side of the law, we uh, introduce Joe Teague, the detective, uh, as well as one of my favorite actors who appears in all kinds of random shows, Neil McDonough, playing Chief Billy uh, Parker, mm-hmm. or also Bill the Boy Scout, as he's titled in the second episode. Mm-hmm. Uh and then um, Milo, can you fix this for me? Ventimiglia? Milo Ventimiglia's right? for Ned Stack. So some of our early characters that we meet here. Um, you just like went right over my head. <laughs> you know, like talking. He's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, um, okay. Done and done. <laughs> well, anyway, so some of these characters here um, that we have create our storyline. Uh, then our story, as we see, progresses into the, the mayor talking about the corruption of police in the city of Los Angeles, as well as their stance against corruption, um, which is set up then by our main character, Detective mm-hmm. Joe Teague, who receives a match pack with a date and time for him to meet at a bar 8 p.m. that night. Uh, so as he goes into the bar, he meets up with Hecky Nash, who propositions him to do some after-hours moonlighting work to help protect him as he's preparing to blackmail somebody. doesn't mention who... But he wants to go ahead and find out, you know, what he can do to get some money. And he wants to get out of town. Wants to finally change his luck. Right. Um, I mean, I would, too. I mean, Is that you, still wrong? No, absolutely not. Like wrong. I mean, I used to live by the mafia. I mean, York, 50 so. grand in the 1940s. How's that, what does that convert? Like $100,000 now? At least. Yeah. A couple hundred, probably, my guess. We'll call it 250 It's yeah. a nice round-even number. So uh, he meets in the bar, and he decides to take it back to his detective, pulls the case file out, and we are introduced now then to our quote-unquote mob squad, if you will, uh, a variety of different characters, headed up by Detective Hal Morrison. Um, is a, a group of men that they've put together through the police force and the mayor to fight mafia crime in Los Angeles. Uh, these characters then arrange and help set up uh, Detective Teague's if you will, after hours moonlighting job with Hecky Nash where they agree to go to the Baldwin Hills. Right. <laughs> As a person who's been through Baldwin Hills here in Los Angeles, I don't feel like there would be any time that I would ever want to be there. <laughs> Especially if the mob is wanting to kill me or if I'm blackmailing them, even with a cop. I'm pretty sure that it was probably different back then, though. I, it's an oil field. Yeah, I mean, 
Seems safe to me. Yeah. Sure, sure, why not? An oil field. That's a great place to meet somebody in the middle of nowhere where there's no roads. With a and... shovel and a gun. Yeah. Perfect. Why not? You bury the body while you're out there. Exactly. Uh, so as we learn, Hecky's plan is to, like I said, blackmail the mob. Uh, and when he's at the scene, we find that he has some pictures. Mm-hmm. Pictures of our Bugsy Siegel, main mafia, mafia villain, uh, committing murder. At this point, we don't really know much about what the pictures are, but we see Joe Teague seeing the pictures and him deciding to not do what he's supposed to do. Because originally he was going to signal for help for them to come up so they could catch all the people in the X. So this is where we see Sid Rothman at his older age mm. uh, with another unnamed mafia member who I still have yet to know his name after four episodes. <laughs> I don't know it either. They haven't said it. He has a few lines here and there. shows up. So viewers out there, if you know who Sid Rothman's left-hand man is, let us know. Do you know who it is? I, I, I don't. Yeah, no. There are a lot of characters in. The, there are there's, several characters. There's, there's a little too many characters for me. I'm like confused as to. It takes a while to get to know yeah. what's, what's going on. I had to watch the first two episodes twice before yeah. I figured out who all the characters were in the first two episodes. Uh, so anyway, uh, we find out that Hecky's smart, outsmarts the mafia, if you will, and brings along a cop. He says, "Hey, polish up your badge. Let them see it." He's standing up there with his gun and his badge, and they realize that uh, they've been outsmarted. They're really mad that they've been outsmarted, but they pay him and take the pictures and leave. Mm. Then, my favorite part of the episode, episode one here. Right. Is it your favorite part as well? Well, I kind of like the beginning. It was the most action that there was in the whole episode. <laughs> That's true, the explosions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we see our own Joe Teague takes out, him, takes out Hecky Nash. Yeah. And then you're like, what the hell just happened? Takes the money, puts it in the back of his car, wraps up his gun, Fires off his flare and waits for backup. Yeah. So at this point, what do you think about the decision to have him kill Hecky Nash? Well, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't know what was going on. If he was like, like corrupted or like what, if, how they were going to lead it. I was just confused. <laughs> I thought he was going to do it for the money. I was with him. Yeah, I mean, take the money and run, right? I Cops mean, were super underpaid. Still. Now and well, that's what he said mm-hmm. back then. Yeah, he said three. Th- and then later, he finds out why he didn't take the money. Three thousand dollars is a cop salary for a year. They were offering him fifty thousand mm. dollars. I'd be okay with fifty thousand yeah. dollars even now in today's standards. Yeah, let alone making three thousand dollars a year. So, uh, takes the money, puts it in his car, fires off the flares. The cops come, lies to the other police department. So, do you see this then as police corruption that they talked about in the intro? Maybe. Because, in my but, opinion... I mean, I don't know. He just seems... It's like he did it, like... I don't know. I mean, did, did he do it, like, for, for Jasmine, you know? Or did he, like, do it, like, for himself? Was he thinking, you know, because he killed... Because they had a relationship. So is he thinking, well, maybe, you know, he killed... He's killing him because he had a relationship with his wife? I don't... You know, it's kind of... Yes. It could go either way. So we meet Jasmine Fontaine, then, who's Hecky's right. girlfriend at the time. Right. Uh, which we later find out at the surprising, shocking ending of episode two, was formerly Detective Joe Teague's wife. Right. Left during the war and has nothing to do with him since then. Possibly that Joe's changed because of his involvement in the Guadalcanal incident in West South, uh, South Pacific, rather, the Japanese mm-hmm. fight. Um, or potentially that there were some other things that we don't know about yet. Yeah, because, I mean, we don't know why the whole, like, situation, like, the whole relationship, like, went. Went downhill, yeah. if you will. 
was went down the drain potty, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I guess hopefully we'll find that out in the uh, remaining two episodes of the show here. But what we do see then is uh, at the very end of the episode, they're kind of alluding to some of the relationship here. Uh, Joe Teague's doing a voiceover, and he says there's a lot of reasons to kill a man. Uh, greed, lust, or sometimes no reason at all. But also, people do it for love. As we see shots of Jasmine sitting on a suitcase waiting for Hecky. Is she waiting for Hecky, or is she waiting for something else? We're not really sure. Uh, but that brings us into a uh, second episode of this lovely series here, A Reason to Kill a Man. So hopefully this episode shines some light on A Reason to Kill a Man. Yeah. I don't know. Can you think of other reasons to kill a man besides greed, money, power, lust? Well, if you don't like the person, <laughs> bless you. Bless you. Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, I'd like to go into this then a little bit with... Wait, is there another? Is there a reason other besides to kill a man? Besides, what what did you say? Lust, greed, Lust, jealousy. greed, money, jealousy. Well, I think he says sometimes because, uh, you know, dinner's laid on the table. That's a good reason. It is the 40s sometimes. Absolutely. That's true. Okay. So. <laughs> Unfortunately for me, I'd probably be six feet under then because <laughs> I can't cook. Yeah, well, you can order out, can't you? That's true, yeah. Absolutely. I can pretend I did. Yeah. Put it on a plate, you never exactly. know. Exactly. <laughs> so do you think that from what we've seen in the first two episodes – that there is police corruption? Because, I mean, they made such a big deal about it. I think there has to be somewhere in there because, I mean, if they made such a big deal about it, then it's got to lead to something or it's just going to go nowhere, and I don't think that's the type of show it is. Well, Ryan, as you said, you read some of the book. Uh, A lot of the book is actually based off of tales told by the LAPD. Mm -hmm. So do you find that in relation to the book and the show, there was police corruption? Oh, absolutely. Um I, you know, of course, they're going to have that balance of, you know, walking the line, white hats and black hats. And like Joe Teague says, he wears a gray hat. So I imagine that it's going to um, he'll 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 dabble in a little corruption. Otherwise, we won't have any conflict mm-hmm. of uh, good guy, bad guy trying to determine which one he is. Uh, yeah. So, of course, I just don't know. You know, there's a lot of fictional um, stuff that's not in the book. And obviously, a po- poetic <laughs> license, if you will. Yeah. So, and like I said, Rothman, he's he's not a real character. So, but much needed, I think, to tell absolutely to tell the story. You need a, a nice bad villain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Does the dirty work of the mafia uh, and plays so, violin at the same time. Beautifully, yeah. Mind you, gangster and a musician with two. There weeks you go. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> Agreed. Who doesn't love a violin player? Uh, so, the, speaking of police corruption, that getting into uh, the second episode, we see a flashback. Uh, that we find out because Hecky Nash was friends with Mickey Cohen when he was a kid. Uh, and then we also meet our future police chief, uh, Bill the Boy Scout, if you will, Bo mm-hmm. Parker. Uh, and he's watching them smash up this phone booth, or I'm sorry, a movie theater to get some money, robbing them for that. And he says, you know, somebody needs to stop them. We see then a story develop with Bill the Boy Scout or Bill Parker, Detective Parker, um, that he wants to do right, wants to do good, and is really, really gung-ho about doing good. He stops that robbery and hostage situation, then the police kind of made fun of him. You know, they always made jokes about what they called him. Well, then, after that, they only ever called him Sir. So we're setting up characters, in my opinion, that are not corrupt. You know, they've got the mob squad of characters Mm -hmm. that are straightforward, very straight-laced, very cynical, if you will, and also not the type to take guff from people to do wrong or take money even. So do you think that they 
create a nice dynamic with Detective Teague and some of the things we've seen in his first couple episodes? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you, like I said, they're going to have the guys that are completely walk the line, you know, straight, and then they're going to have guys like Teague, I'm imagining, that uh, struggle with, you know, trying to uh, to be the, you know, straight, the good guy and do what's right and moral and dealing with all that stuff. So uh, I think uh, Bill the Boy Scout is a great character to, to go against uh, the mob and try to push, push it all down. Because that's the one thing I do know from the book that he was adamant about getting rid of corruption mm-hmm. uh, in L.A. and the mob and all that good stuff. So I can't wait to see where, where it goes. A very nice friend to have, as they said in the show. Indeed. I mean, I wouldn't mind having like a few mob guys on my side. You know, I'm like, I need a favor. You need a little Mickey Cohen in your life? Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't need a little Mickey Cohen in your life? <laughs> how about that scene, though, with the kid, man? How much, how much fun do you think that would have been to, to smash a, a, a theater? I mean, the kid must be like nine years old. Just, probably. God, that had to be yeah. so fun. That would have probably been the scene that I would want to do, just like start smashing. Things. I mean, shooting the Tommy guns was like the craziest ad- adrenaline rush I've ever had, and we got to do that like 11 times. Uh, but, yeah, so I'm just imagining being that kid, like, all right, now go uh Smash the <laughs> smash the boat just now. Smash those windows up. Action. Good. He's like, like, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> just like I had a bad day and like take just out, like take think of the, like somebody. What a yeah, job. Exactly. As what someone job. who smashed things with a bat before in my life, it's always a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah. then, again, that sets up some of the nice dynamics here with the show in terms of the police quote unquote corruption and also the mafia. And actually, I feel like some of the Mafia guys really aren't that bad. I feel like Bugsy Siegel, you know, is a pretty nice guy. You yeah. Know, just wants to make some money. We don't really see him do anything violent in the first couple episodes that would set him up as anybody that you'd be scared of. Mm-hmm. Well, they never actually do it themselves. They always have, like, their minions do it. Like a nice Sid Rothman character, for example? Well, he's got his own kind of, like, minions going on. I so think he enjoys like, it, though. That's kind of his... Yeah, that's true. He's got some sick love for... Ego Maniacal For violence, trip. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so in, in in the show, then, we meet uh, Jasmine Fontaine, as I was saying before, uh, who is Hecky's girlfriend, brought in to be questioned by the police. Um, but we find out that she doesn't really know anything, or so she lets on to. Uh, that she's just there, you know, was waiting for him. They're going on vacation, and she always packs heavy. Uh in that scene, then, we see an interaction for the first time with Jasmine and Detective Teague, where, in my opinion, she pretty much handles him in a very thorough manner. Uh, did you guys suspect anything about their relationship when you when you watched the episodes of the two of them? I just, I, I don't know. I think, like, he left for, like, the war, and she kind of just dumped him. That's how I'm kind of seeing it. Yeah, I didn't see that coming though. If that's if that was true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, about the the relationship. So yeah. when they when they when we had that picture at the end, I was like, what what is this? Because one thing I watched when I rewatched the first two episodes the second time is at the end of episode <laughs> one. I'm sorry, I like to watch the shows twice to make sure I caught everything from the viewers out there. Uh, one thing that I did really notice is when Joe was doing the voiceover at the end of episode one, he's talking about reasons to kill a man, you know, greed, love, and he says love, but they keep flashing back to scenes. Of Jasmine sitting on her suitcase, which this is really the first time we see her for any extended length of time other than a few seconds on the phone when she's talking right. to Hecky. So, I mean, there was obviously some foreshadowing put into that where they're like thinking, okay, here's where we can plug this love that will potentially be there or not there or was there. And I, again, I didn't catch it till the second time around. So 
think they did a good job making kind of viewers on the edge, not mm-hmm. knowing what to ha- what's going to happen. Um, but in, as this episode progresses, then uh, we see that they put assignment on Jasmine to keep an eye on her. Teague obviously volunteers for the first shift and mm-hmm. is watching her, following her, you know, and asks her some personal questions as well when he drops her off about photography. And she makes a comment that she only does photography at the club. So did you, at that point at all, link the fact that pictures were being taken that she possibly could be involved? I don't, I didn't. I mean, it didn't, it didn't like, like connect. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm blonde. I don't know. Like it didn't connect. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> like it didn't connect to me at first. And then, but like you say that, and then I did like, I went ahead and watched that last part again. And then I'm like, okay, I kind of see like where that could have connected. Thoughts? Chris, uh, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't read the script, like I said, so everything was. Yeah, I, I've only seen it once. So yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. I feel like uh, I, I'm with you. I need to go back and watch it again because there's so you know it's film noir and there's so many things I think that are underneath and kind of placed where you're not supposed. To, it's not you know they're not hitting everything over the head, and uh, sometimes I miss a lot of stuff. So I'm looking forward to going back and maybe I'll answer your questions. They they don't always <laughs> hit it on the head, but you know who does always hit it on the head is iTunes. Yes. You're welcome, Segway. iTunes. Viewers, go out to iTunes. uh, Check us out. Rate us. Five stars. We do over 60 shows here on iTunes, available in the Android Marketplace, as well as YouTube and our website. Uh, Five-star ratings are the best. We do love them. Tell your friends. We do all these shows for free, and all the shows are available for free for you to watch, for you to enjoy. So the way you can pay us back is by going on to iTunes, giving us a rating, asking us questions, giving us comments. We love your feedback. Uh, so we look forward to hearing you, hearing more from you on that. Uh, anyway, back to what I was saying. You're welcome, Segway. Back Those to are my programming. Fam- back to programming after this. That was our commercial, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, what we find then is uh, there's Go a bunch ahead. of there's a bunch of questions that are being asked on both sides. Mm-hmm. First off, the mob is asking about Joe Teague, who returns the $50,000, as we find out, uh, to a former Marine and friend of his, Ned Stack, who is also the attorney for the Mafia. Hello. Jesse. Gilmore Girls. Little Gilmore Girls throwback. Sorry. I love him. And he basically hands him a stack of money and tells him to stick it up their butt. Yeah. In so many words. Right. PC friendly here on TV. And then, so they're asking questions about what does this cop want that he did this hit for us that he doesn't want the money, and what's he going to want later? As well as the police are asking questions about why was Hecky bumped? You know, what happened with this situation? And there's a lot of questions that are unanswered in this, this current situation on both sides. Did you feel that there was enough plot at that point given? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I think, you know, I think in any show, the... Yeah, the first couple episodes are always almost always slow, at least in mm-hmm. my mind. Mm-hmm. There's so much like what you know, what's going on, what is this, where are they going with this, who is this guy, who is this guy, who's this girl. So it's like, you know, a lot of stuff that they gotta get out there, like, you know, every pilot to me is always almost always sucks and, and not that this show did because I think it was a great a great mm-hmm. opening that I was a part of so I loved I loved that <laughs> but um yeah I think you know episodes three and four the, I hope there'll be a lot of these uh, questions that we have and concerns uh, they'll be filled for us I'm hoping 
I mean, how much though can they like? They can only do like so much because we're we're all, like all anticipating like a second season, so they can only like give out so much information. Give out so much information. Bleh, I can't talk. Give out so much information until you know for next season, because then we'll know and we'll be like, okay, what's next? Well, and Darren Bond too is very well known for doing a lot with his cinematography and also having slower moving shows where. Mm. The way he creates an art and the way he creates an image is by slowly sculpting it away for us to see the different layers. Uh, that's why I was saying I think some of the plot in the show could have been lost to the stylization of it, where the lights and the dancing and the music and the flashing and the suits and the Tommy guns at the opening scene and the explosions maybe allowed viewers to miss some of the things that were happening, some of the characters that were mm. being added in. And um, I'm interested to see then with the next couple episodes how that sort of develops and what he has to say about that. Uh, but w- what we do find out then here towards the later end of the episode is, you know, Teague's getting grilled by the mob squad about mm-hmm. what happened to Hecky, about Jasmine. And we find that Teague is defending Jasmine. Right. You know, and the things that she said in the interview, um, you know, that she's telling the truth. However, not everyone believes him. This is one of the characters that we have met a couple times, Mike, uh, who is part of the mob squad. He's the only one that's really had a voice in terms of his opinion uh, that he says that he doesn't believe her. Do you think there's any credential to what Mike has to say or do you think you are on Teague's side? I don't know. I think I'm kind of like on Mike's side because Teague still has kind of like, I think he still has some feelings for Jasmine. So However, whatever this, he would do to, like, help her or not, you know. Keep in mind, at this point, we don't know. Right, we don't. But at the same time, it's like the way I think that the way that they're going to – they're portraying it is that we still don't know what's going on. But now as looking into the other episodes that, I, you know, that we see now, I think that that's how kind of, like – I mean, I think that she probably possibly did something wrong. And he's just kind of covering up for her because he still has feelings for her. Yeah, I think he's he's trying to protect her, and uh, at this point, we, we yeah we don't know that their their true relationship, right? Mm-hmm. right? So yeah, that's um, that's interesting how they set that up, right? And we see, uh, you know, he's going out of his way to protect her. I, I agree with that. I think that he will do whatever it takes to protect her and to you know look out for her or go out of his way to kill people if he has to to make sure that she's safe. Because you mm-hmm. frequently see he asks other people. Hey, what's up with Jasmine? You know, how's she doing? Is she being taken care of? All that kind of stuff. Um, but then as the show transitions here, we get back into some of the mafia action as well. Uh, we see a character named Carl, who was a former runner for the mob. Uh, part of the Bugsy Siegel outfit was in prison, but got out. He's working at an Italian restaurant. Hates his job. Wants a little help. So he comes and he tips off uh, the mob and says, hey, there's a couple people in here. Uh, Mo Feltzer and uh, Jerry Edelstein. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know you guys have been looking for them. Uh, hey, they're here. Why don't you come and take care of them and then take care of me, so to speak, so he can get him out of the restaurant, uh, which is, a, again, a later driving plot points for our next couple of episodes. Uh, so we see then they come in, beat up Carl a little bit to make it look like he was attacked. Right. And take out Mo Felter and Jerry Edelstein. Right. A little more mob action by our own Sid Rothman. Yeah. <laughs> Love that guy, Carl, that actor. I'm not sure of his name, but... Yeah. Love that performance. Killed it. 
Yeah, he did very well in that performance, uh, coming off as sort of whining, but like, hey, I taught him that, you know. Yeah. I taught he yeah. listens he listens good like me, I taught him that. <laughs> However, uh what we do find out in my favorite little action moment in that show, uh, I love the part when the woman asks for cheese. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gives her the cheese he, after he, he, he offs two people and then gives her the cheese and says, Enjoy your meal and walks out. So I'm a big fan of that. Um <laughs> Gangster. Gangster. So as we move in towards the end of the episode here, um, we're back at our favorite bar mm-hmm. um, where we see Ned Stacks, the lawyer for the mafia, and Detective Teague having a drink. Um, and again, they're talking about the problems that they're having with their own bosses based on who's on what side, who's doing what for what reasons. Uh, I think Ned is, is kind of mad um, that he's being so honest about the things that are going on and I think that Ned feels like he should maybe cover his ass a little bit, so to speak. But I don't know. I was a little little concerned with, with that, and I was kind of wondering more about their relationship. So I hope they shed a little bit more light on that in the future episodes. Especially what happened with them like in, when they were like in the military yeah. in war and stuff like that. Because as we learned, they were both Marines. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which actually we learned in the very beginning. You know, obviously, you know, I always thought you were smart. He aced the bar. Um they were together, and they also, we hear later that Ned talks very highly of Joe Teague. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's, he's the reason he recommended Teague to take care of the Hecky Nash situation. And, uh, you know, talks about how he basically saved his life as well as all the other soldiers that came back mm-hmm. uh, when they are in the Pacific. But we find then, too, he's got apprehensions about Teague. And uh, when Teague still has the picture that he pulls out of his wallet at the very end, our big revealing moment of episode two. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we learn out, there are reasons to kill a man, including the picture in the wallet. I'm delaying this, as you can tell, just like <laughs> they did in the episode. Slowly delaying, <laughs> delaying it out. Uh, but Ned says he's seen, seen the picture, uh, that he's showed it to him twice a day, every day, for several months when they were in Guant- uh, Guadalcanal, not Guantanamo Bay, <laughs> wrong side of the country. Uh, but at the very end, we see the reveal of the picture, and it's a picture of Jasmine and Teague and it's a wedding photo. She's in a white gown. He's in his military uniform. Shocker. It made me wonder how she went from him to a guy like Hecky Nash. I was just going to say that. I mean, because, I, I mean, Teague's is kind of good looking. Right. Teague is kind of good looking. Yeah. So I kind of have a little crush. You have a little crush on Hecky yeah. Nash, you're just wondering, like, what, what, like what's, hey, the, what's, wrong what's with the appeal? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is not John Berthold's first time playing a mafia man. <laughs> as, we, as we remember from his portrayal of Al Capone, in Night at the Museum Part 2. Oh, my gosh. Don't forget that. He's 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 into the noir. He knows what's up. I didn't see that. I didn't either. I it, saw the first he one. He plays Al Capone. I'm going to have to see it now. Yeah. In the second one? Yeah. Big Joe Why Biden is Al Capone fan. in the Night of Museum? Because he's one of the wax figures that they pull out. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I didn't write it, it. I'm just telling you he was there. <laughs> no, I didn't say you wrote it. I'm just asking you, like, where did that come from? <laughs> I'm just, you know. Guy knows his movies. Yeah. It's all about knowing who's <laughs> in what and who's done who. So to speak. Well, it is Hollywood. It is Hollywood, absolutely. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, again, the big reveal of episode two, we find out that we have a big driving plot point for the next couple of episodes um, with Jasmine and uh, T. He burns the photo at the very end at the recommendation of Ned Zach. Obviously, you don't want to get caught with that, especially with the situation that's going on. Uh, so that's going to lead us into predictions for our very next two episodes, which you can tune in here and listen to them. And now. Ryan, we'll start with you. What do you think, based on what we've seen, that we can look forward to 
in the last in episode three and four. Murder. Murder. <laughs> very straightforward. Very t- more more <laughs> murder and uh, more more mystery. More yeah. deception. More noir. More noir. Absolutely. More great television. Me? I agree. I'm just going to go with that. More, more murder, more deception, <laughs> and potentially a love story, which every good plot needs a love story, because if not, who do you kill for? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also inclined to agree with you. Uh, I'm looking forward to more development with uh, both our Mafia characters, as well as the the Teague and Stack relationship. I'm looking to see more of that in the next couple of episodes. Um, so hopefully we get more. You can tune in here to After Buzz. Well, before and- before I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Before no. we move on, what are you, what is up next with you? I don't know. Career wise. Oh. Career-wise. oh. <laughs> um, shoot. Unless you want to tell us about personal. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you have a date this weekend? <laughs> no, I, just with my mother. Aww. I haven't seen her for uh, almost over That's a year. That's not so a bad oh, date. Wow. It's time to yeah. see the the folks. It'll be nice to go back. Um, I'm actually, uh, man, I just had something last week that was another exciting, because, you know, what was it, the 4th was when Mob City aired, and then uh, mm-hmm. the next day I had a, a, an amazing um, chemistry read with uh, Anna Gunn from Breaking Bad. Excellent. So nothing's official yet, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, you know, I met with her, and I met with the director twice now, this film that she's doing next. And uh, it's in the same. It's in the vein of Winter's Bone. You know, the novelist that wrote that. Yep. He also wrote um, this book that this film's based on. Uh, did I say that right? This book that the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm hoping she's she's not going to make any decisions for a couple weeks. So I'm hoping um, Santa Claus tells me uh, I get my first film, my first my first lead. Um, and if that happens, it's going to be an amazing day in my life. So, What's the character? Can you tell us? It's uh, I don't like to speak too much about it. It's just southern southern thing, and I get to be uh, you know go to my West Virginia roots and get to be that uh, good old boy that I am and still used to be, or good old boy <laughs> that I used to be and still am. And still am. Uh, you know, heart. the accent and all that stuff I get that I, that I work so hard to get rid of. Um, <laughs> Here's the voice coaching. Yeah, down the toilet. yeah. Living in New York will help. Um, so it's 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 a gritty. You know, it's actually you know I get the the character that's into a little a little drugs, a little crank, I believe it is. <laughs> but he's not evil. He's not a sociopath. He's a good guy overall, and um, just a lost soul, no family, no, just kind of chugging along the Ozarks and uh, trying to find his way. But that's all I'll, I'll say about it. Hopefully, I didn't jinx myself. And if it works out, fingers crossed, yes. we'll talk about mm-hmm. it one day. Hopefully be reviewing it for you one day. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the idea, I hope. Cool. Well, that does it here for us at AfterBuzz. Neek, tell them where the viewers can find you. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Neek my website at neekdufour.com. And Ryan, where can the viewers find you if they want to know more about your life? Uh, Dorsey Ryan, everything. Instagram, Twitter. Dorsey cool. Ryan. Thanks for having me. I really Dorsey Ryan. Yes, thank you for Ladies coming in. Ryan Dorsey here. And you can find me at RyanHooks92 on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Snapchat, Yahoo, all the above. Would... I'm, I'm everywhere. I love I love getting Snapchats from viewers. I actually got a, I got a Snapchat from a viewer in Australia for the TV show Revolution, which you can tune in to AfterBuzz here to see me on Revolution as well as Was Almost it a naked Human. one? It was not a naked one. But she did talk about the show and the writing for several Snapchats. It's amazing what technology can do. I don't even know what Snapchat do. is. Snapchat. It's, uh, it's like Twitter and you can send pictures. Oh. You can little caps. But anyway, that wraps up here for us at AfterBuzz TV Mob City. We will see you <laughs> next week.
from executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. I'm not dead. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. Thank you for watching AfterBuzz TV on YouTube. For more of your favorite after shows and interviews, subscribe to our channel here, and be sure to share your opinion on the episode in the comment section below here. We'd love to see what you guys are buzzing about. Thanks again. Buzz you later.